0: folks, this is talking about the time of storm between our flesh and our spirit. You know what I'm talking about there? Sin. I'm talking about the sin that is within this flesh that we walk in. We've got no place to turn to. We've got no strength within us. The only place we have is our shelter, the Lord Jesus Christ. Open your Bibles once again to the book of Luke, if you would. Luke chapter (coughs) 5. Make sure I make that cup last all the way through. (laughs) I'm tempted to just grab it and go with it every time I grab a hold of it. Before we we look at our text here in Luke chapter 5, I want to read scripture on the front of today's bulletin. Do you have the bulletins with you? In Psalms 5 verse 5 through 8 we read these words The foolish shall not stand in thy sight. Thou hatest all workers of iniquity. Thou shalt destroy them that speak leasing that word leasing, I felt I needed to express what that means. That means falseness. That means untruth. That means an outright lie. Thou shalt destroy them that speak lies. The Lord will abhor the bloody and deceitful man. That means those who are deceitful to themselves. Those who have been left to believe a lie. But as for me, writes David, I will come into thy house in the multitude, the multitude of thy mercy. And in thy fear will I worship toward thy holy temple. Lead me, O Lord, in thy righteousness because of mine enemies. Make thy way straight before my face. I will come into thy house and the multitude of thy mercies. Someone once said something a little bit like this is where are all the sinners? Not many sinners around here is there. Today this house right here is for sinners. Do you need saving? If you do, I've got some good news for you. Some folks want to believe that we get better. They call it progressive sanctification. You get better. You get more holy. You quit smoking. You're more holy than you were yesterday. You quit drinking. You're more holy than you were the day before. You, you quit cheating. You quit lying on your taxes. You quit this. You, you're getting more holy. That's what the Pharisees that stood before the people saying, Thank you, God, that I'm not made like others. A true child of God will always be on their knees. I know. Some of us have quite a bit left to live, don't we? Some of us not so much. Some of us less than others. That's a long time to be on your knees. Thank God I'm on my knees. Because I could be left just like that Pharisee. You see, being on your knees is a good thing. People want to say, Oh, is that such a sad thing to be over in the corner always crying for mercy? No, it's a good thing. Because if it wasn't for us being there, we would be as the Pharisee without God. you get the picture of grace and mercy here? I will come into thy house in the multitude of thy mercy. Do you need saving? 1 Timothy 1, verse 15, we read this. This is a faithful saying. God has inspired Timothy to write these words to you and I, to his people, to those that he has called out of the world of darkness into the light of his temple, Jesus Christ the Lord, putting the Lord in their new heart. This is a faithful saying to you folks, those that he has loved from before the world was and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to do what? To make people walk better? To to wait around for somebody who's decided, you know, I'm tired of being the way I was. I want to be something different now. No, it says he came into the world to do something. He came into the world to save, not to try. Oh, how it disgusts me for people to talk about a God who can't do something. God is sovereign in everything. Nothing is out of his realm to be done. He could make rocks get up and preach the gospel if that was his will. He made an ass talk one time. A donkey turned around and said something to the guy behind him who was beating him. What are you beating me for? That's the God of scriptures. That's the one who deserves the title God. Came to save sinners and then Paul says this. Speaking to Timothy, of whom I am chief. Paul? The apostle Paul? Chief of sinners? He didn't say I was, I am. Right now. Paul was just like that man over on the side crying out for mercy the very day that he wrote this letter. I am today the chief of sinners. It doesn't take long for us, does it folks, to go out that door and sometimes we don't even have to be out the door. We'd be sitting in our chair right here. Oh, what was I thinking That? How could that come to my mind in a place like this? But it does. Are you with me in the book of Luke? In verse 27 of Luke chapter 5, we read, And after these things. This is to set us up for what is to come. So let us begin with considering what these things are to put our text for today's message in context. In verse 1 of chapter 5, the people were pressing hard upon our Lord. Many were sick, and the fame of his, of, of his healing had gone out across the land. His healing had gone out across the land of this man who healed the sick and the lame. When he began to teach, he taught with actions in miracles and in wonders. He told the fishermen, he said, cast out your nets into the deep. Remember that one? We talked about it. If you fish before, you know that fishing out in the deep is very rarely anything. You want to catch fish that got closer to the banks. You see bass fishermen, they're always around the bank fishing. He told them to go out, drop their nets in in the deep. Cast out your nets in the deep. And when they did, their nets were full. He then said, Fear not. From henceforth thou shalt catch men. That's over in verses 10 and 11. And they left all that they had, and they followed him. And then he demonstrated his authority, his power to forgive sins, by healing a man who was sick with palsy. That's in verse 24. So we see this one who is so powerful He's doing things nobody else has ever done. Even the wizards, even the wizards of the land couldn't do what he was doing. We see this one who is so powerful he can heal the sick simply by his word. Now with that in mind, let's look at our text, shall we? Would you join me in reading verses 27 through 32 of Luke chapter 5. And after these things, he went forth and saw a publican named Levi. Now, that's Matthew. I just want to stop you there for just a moment. That's the, that's the man Matthew who wrote the book of Matthew. So we see, so we know that the Lord is speaking of one he is saved, he's going to save here. And he saw a publican named Matthew sitting at the receipt of customs, and he said unto him, follow me. So Matthew, who was quite wealthy, who was collecting taxes and in those days it was common for the tax collectors and I don't think they can get away with it in our country but I'm sure there's countries where they still do where the tax collectors take a little bit off the top for themselves and they end up to be quite wealthy. So here we got a man who has everything he needs he's, he's, he's got plenty of wealth, he's not a poor man and the Lord speaks to him. That gives me hope. Blessing are the poor. What do you think made Matthew poor? (coughs) Who is it that makes us to differ? Matthew had to be made poor in spirit. He may have had much of what the world had to offer, but he had to be poor in spirit. And he said unto him, follow me. And he left all. He left all that riches behind and rose up followed him. And Levi made him a great feast in his own house, and there was a great company of publicans and others that sat down with him. Publicans, folks, there was only there were three classes of people in the Jewish nation. And it, you had the Jews, the chosen of God. You had publicans, who were still Jews but they were and chosen of God, but they were the ones who acted on behalf of the Gentile rulers and took all the taxes from him. So you have the the Jews, you have the tax collectors, and then you have the Gentiles. The only thing above, the only thing below a, a tax collector was being a Gentile. So here we see, Levi made him a great feast in his own house, and there was a great company. There was a whole bunch of them, and of others that sat down with them. Verse 30, but their scribes and Pharisees murmured against his disciples, saying, why do you eat and drink with publicans and sinners? And Jesus answered and said to them, They that are whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. A house full of sinners. <laughs> Is there any difference in what we have right here this morning? A house full of sinners. People who have left the world behind for just a moment. Who have come out of the world, the valley of the shadow of death. And it's only a shadow of death to you and I. Our Lord has taken our death for us. What you and I deserve in that death, our Lord took upon himself. So here we are, come out of the world for a moment, to put all the chaos of the world, but not just the chaos of the world, the trouble, the heart, the sins that we've committed throughout this week. Lord, I need a Savior. I need a Savior right now. I need a Savior when I go home. Do you need a Savior? Are you a sinner who needs a Savior? Only the sick have a need for a physician. Are there any sinners in need in this house this morning? Are there any who are completely destitute in the realm of righteousness? Do not be deceived. God requires perfection. That's righteousness. There is no such thing as a little bit of righteousness. Either we are righteous or we are not. What did we read just a moment ago in the fifth psalm? The foolish shall not stand in thy sight. Thou hatest all workers of iniquity. Thou shalt destroy them that speak lies, leasing. And the Lord will abhor abhor the bloody and deceitful man. If you think you have a little bit of righteousness in you, then God has not done a work in your heart. And you call God a liar. (gasps) What did you just say? What did you just say about me, John? I said this. If you think you have a little bit of righteousness, you call God a liar. Listen to the words of Mark chapter 10, verse 18. There is none good but one. Are you talking about my grandmother? Yes. Are you talking about my little baby boy? Yes. God's Word says there is none good but one, and that is God. That's His Word. You want to argue about that? You go argue about it with God. Romans 3, verses 10 through 12, as it is written, in other words, as it was written before the apostles wrote the books of the New Testament, as it is written in the Old Testament, way back when by the prophets, there is none righteous but no, not one. There is none that understandeth. There is none that seeketh after God. They have all gone out of the way. They are together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good. No, not one. If the Lord has healed you of your pride and your self-worth, then you'll see yourself in those words that we just I just read for you. Being brought to an understanding of your condition before God, you will cry out, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. And here's the good news. (laughs) Look at verse 32 of our text. It declares this I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. The Lord came. He came here to this world, He came here to this earth god was manifest in the flesh he didn't have to he's god he could have recreated everything all over again but it was his plan to do so it was his purpose to do so people want to think oh god created everything perfect and he did and oops Adam came out and sinned against God. Oh, plan B. What are we going to do now? There is no plan B. This is plan A. This is God's purpose right here, right now. And everything up to this point, and everything till the day he comes back and, and destroys everything that there is. Everything will burn in fire. This is plan A. This is his purpose. He was known and called the Lamb slain from before the foundation of the world. That's what it says in Revelations. He had determined and purposed to save a people for himself before anything was ever created. This is the good news. I came to call the right, not the righteous, but sinners to repentance. He came. He's God, folks. This is not plan B. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. God became flesh. Why? Because he had to die. The wages of sin is death. Somebody's got to die for our sins. Somebody's blood has to be shed for the sins that you and I commit. And Jesus Christ died for his people. He shall be called Jesus for he shall, not maybe, he shall save his people. Is that good news to you? If the Lord has shown you that you're one of His people, that's great news. <laughs> if you're begging for mercy, that means He's going to give it to you. Isn't that wonderful that He is merciful? That He is gracious? He didn't have to be. He didn't have to be. You see, God is spirit. There's always been God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Always. Always. Jesus Christ was known as the Son of God before the world began. Yet he wasn't always man. He wasn't always flesh. He had to become flesh. In order for Jesus Christ to fulfill all the perfection that God the Father required, he had to become flesh and walk perfectly in this world, fulfilling every jot, every tittle of the law. Everything had to be done just right so it was acceptable to God. Going to the cross and laying down His perfect blood in our stead had to be done and it could only be done in the flesh of the Son of the Lord Jesus Christ. The God man. Christ Jesus, the Son of the living God. He came to fulfill the law. He came to establish righteousness. He came to lay down His perfect life. He who knew no sin was made sin for us that we would be made the righteous the righteousness of God in him. He came to pay the ransom price to redeem his people. A people chosen from before the world was created. Listen to Ephesians chapter 1 verse 4. It says this, According as he hath chosen us, as God hath chosen us in him, his son, before the foundation of the world, that we should be Holy. Holy and without blame before him. There's the good news. There's the good news. How are you going to be holy before God? Look at your bulletin again if you would. How are you going to be holy before God? On the inside page just below the listing of hymnals and schedules, you see an article there written by Pastor Todd Nyberg. It is Christ that died. Brother Todd writes this, who Christ died for is an issue because Christ makes it an issue. He says, I am not sent but to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. another part of scripture he says, I lay down my life for the sheep. another part he says, Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. In John chapter 17 he says, I pray not for the world but for them which thou hast given me. That being said, writes Todd Nybert, the greater issue is who died? The one who died is incapable of failure. What he intended to do, that is precisely what he did. To think of the atonement of Christ in any other way than absolute success is to fail to believe who he is. We're not ashamed to say he died only for the elect. But the most important aspect of his atoning death is, who is it to die? It is Christ that died because of who he is all that he died must be saved to say that he can pay for somebody's sins and they can still go to hell is degrading to and falsely presenting the person of Christ and is a denial of the justice of God and to falsely presenting the person of Christ and is oh I already and if Christ paid the debt if Christ paid the debt the sinner he died for will never have to pay it again how can I be holy before God if I'm in Christ if I was in Christ when he walked this earth and walked it perfectly if I was in Christ when he went to that cross and was hung on the cross if I was in Christ when he was buried in the ground that's what baptism is is a picture of you right we don't get saved by being baptized you know that right we we are declaring to those who are witnesses of it, we are declaring that Christ Jesus died for me. We're declaring that Christ Jesus was buried for me, that I was in him, my sins were in him. And we're declaring that he is arose from the grave and sits on his throne right now. That's what baptism is all about. It's like coming to the table. That doesn't save us, but we're declaring who it is that did. We're declaring that it was His blood, His body that was broken, His blood that was shed for us that saves us. If Christ died for you, these words, a true desire, a true sinner desires most. A true sinner will look to Christ and Christ alone. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, and only God can deal with the hearts of men. Lifting up His Son in our hearts, is the work of God. This house, this building, God has provided for sinners who have had and are having the work done in our hearts. Ezekiel 36:26. we read these words, A new heart also will I give you. A new heart. And a new spirit will I put within you. And I will take away the old stony heart out of your flesh, and I will give you a heart of flesh. Folks, we come together to lift up our Savior. We come together to feast upon Him, to feast upon our Savior, to worship our Lord in spirit and in truth. We worship Him because He first loved us before the world was ever created. Everything that is created was created for you and I, for God's people, that we would come to Him in the day of His love and worship Him in love because He first loved us. We worship him for manifesting himself in the flesh in perfection, fulfilling the law that we could not. We worship him for providing himself our sacrifice, our blood offering, our atonement. We worship him for the perfect blood offering that God accepted as payment for our sin. God the Father accepted it. He'll never accept it one who is not in Christ. We worship him as the risen Savior sitting upon his throne, making intercession on our behalf, working all things out according to his purpose and his own will. It says in our text of Luke chapter 5, I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. With the understanding sinners have no righteousness, Christ came to call sinners to repentance. Look Again, verses 27 through 28. And after these things, he went forth and saw a publican named Levi sitting at the receipt of customs. And he said unto him, Folks, this is is what God does. He speaks to his people. The first time we hear with ears of the heart First time we hear the gospel with the heart of Christ is when the preaching of His gospel is brought to us by God's ministers. How are you going to call on somebody you've never heard of? How are you going to believe in somebody you? How, how are you going to call on somebody you've never believed in? How are you going to believe in Him if you've never heard of Him? Our Lord. Saw a publican, a sinner, and he named him. His name is Levi. He saw a sinner, one that belonged to him, and his name is John. And he said unto him, he said, through the preaching of his word, follow. You've heard me say this before but when Christ called Lazarus from the grave the power of God was in the voice of Christ. He is God. Every grave would have opened up if he had not used the name Lazarus. That's the power of God. When he calls a person they come not kicking and screaming he makes us willing in the day of his love when you see the grace of the Savior for what it is and you've been shown what you are so undeserving so unworthy where else could you go what else could you do but to call upon him And he left all and rose up and followed him. Our Lord was calling that man to repentance. The word repentance means reversal. Reversal of what? It's a complete complete reversal of our way of thinking of all that is. Remember what it was like before the Lord called you out of darkness? Remember when you used to walk through the, the, the world you, and you could, it was, oh, I'll bet I can take care of that. I'll bet I can fix that. Go about fixing things. Some things we just shouldn't try to fix. <laughs> Going about fixing things. It's a complete reversal of how we see the world. Instead of the power being in man, which is what we all used to see it as, we see the power being in God and God alone. Only God can make a heart see that. We see a complete reversal of the way of thinking of all that is. We, here we see the power of Christ's grace and effectual calling. Here is the publican called by the Son of God. And as soon as he was called, he willingly left all and followed Christ. Jeremiah 31.18, we read these words. I have surely heard Ephraim bemoaning himself thus, Thou hast chastised me, and I was chastised as a bullock, accustomed to the yoke. Turn thou me, and I shall be turned, for thou art the Lord my God. Reverse me. Turn me, O Lord, from the ways I used to think and draw me nearer to you. Lamentations 5.21, it says this, Turn thou us unto thee, O Lord, and we shall return. That's a confession. You know, you're sitting at a light, you've been going down the street and you've hit every red light for the last ten minutes. Lord, That's a confession right there of who he is. It's a confession that he is Lord, Lord of all. We come into this house, this house right here where sinners come to, to be turned again and again and again and again. Our walk in this world is full of trials, trials of our faith, trials of of, of sin that plagues our flesh and battles with our spirit. I need saving. I have been saved. I am being saved. And I will be saved. My God does not fail. This is what I need to be turned to. I'm a sinner. I can do nothing. I have nothing. Lord, turn me to you. Lord, call me to repentance. Robert Hawker wrote this. What a lovely view. To behold the great Redeemer encircled at Matthew's table. He comes to our table. He makes his table ours. What a view. What a view to a sinner. In Matthew 18, 21, after the Lord had called Levi out of darkness, And regenerated his soul. Matthew wrote these words. He he recorded these words. of Christ speaking. For where two or three. Are gathered together in my name. There am I. In the midst of them. Turn your Bibles over to Ephesians chapter 2. I know. These are words that can be used. In every single message. These are words that bless the hearts of sinners. In Ephesians chapter 2, beginning at verse 1, And you hath he quickened, gave life to, who were dead in trespasses and sin. Where in times past ye walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of air, the air the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past. Lord, turn me. Turn me and I shall be turned in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others but God, who is rich. (laughs) Rich enough for us. He is able to save to the uttermost. Oh, folks, that's good news to a sinner. He was rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ by grace you are saved, and hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. we sit in Christ Jesus right now. we're in him right now as he sits on his throne making intercession for us. I paid that debt. There's therefore now no condemnation to this one that in the ages to come verse seven he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. For by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves, It is the gift of God, not of works. lest man should boast. Amen. Are there sinners here today? I'm here. I'm with it. There's two. There's three. You know what that means? That means Christ is with us right now. Causing us to sit with him in heavenly places. Amen.